0: This is Andy Wakefield, and this is the Andy Wakefield Podcast. This is a place where stories are told that have never been heard before.
1: Welcome back to the Andy Wakefield Podcast. I'm Laurie Martin Gregory, and today we have an incredible privilege to have on our show the incredible human and one of the most propagandized narratives I've ever seen against an individual. Second, and maybe equal to uh, Auntie Wakefield, and that is Roger Stone. So I'd like to, first of all, say that we're we're so grateful to Roger for making time for us. And before we introduced Andy and Roger, I just would like to say a few moments about freedom. You know, if we could step back in time to hear America's founding fathers talk about freedom, I wonder what they would say. Would they say that it means the government decides what pharmaceutical products to inject into our children's bodies, up to 22 of them, by the way, by the age of five, or no public or private school in California? Or is it simply okay to ruin the career of a fifth-generation doctor who would dare speak out against that pharma machine? weaponizing a media empire against that brave doctor in exchange for a board of director seat for the media mogul's son, would our founding fathers say that freedom means it's okay to weaponize the judicial system against anyone who dares stand in the way of a dark army, an army that's seeking to destroy our nation with fascism, identity politics, censorship, race baiting, and illegal government practices, all of which have been covered up by multi-generational players who either hold political office or control the purses and or the press. And that is precisely the kind of weaponized judicial system that we are seeing right now against our dear guest, Roger Stone. Roger, what a privilege to have you here with us today.
0: Roger, uh, it is absolutely marvelous to to have you on the show. I watched the documentary about you the other day and I realized what a monochrome, lackluster, miserable, mundane life I'd been living <laughs> compared to Roger Stone. I, <laughs> What a dull character I am and uh, so we are absolutely delighted to have you here, honored and indeed ostensibly on your last day of freedom before you go away for some time, one hopes that will be a matter of no more than days. Well, week, hopefully, uh, well,
2: hopefully my, lo- you know, my lawyers are in active uh, conversations with the Bureau of Prisons um, and hopefully we will win some extension given the coronavirus crisis uh, and the quarantine. But uh, it is the things I have experienced over the last 16 months, the the inequities and unfairness and corruption of our judicial system really shake should shake all americans confidence in that system i have seen things happen that i just didn't believe could happen in the united states that literally in the blink of an eye you all of your constitutional freedoms can be taken away from you your your freedom to speak your freedom to travel your freedom uh, to make a living these things we take for granted but uh, I was uh, you know I was under a gag order uh, imposed by a federal judge for 16 months where I could not defend myself yet the the uh, I had to put up with a tsunami of disinformation and lies coming out of CNN and MSNBC and the New York Times and the Washington Post just destroying me lie after lie after lie Stone will be indicted for treason Stone will be indicted for espionage Stone will be indicted for conspiracy against the United States. Stone will be indicted for receipt and and dissemination of stolen emails. Stone will be indicted for mail fraud, wire fraud, aiding and abetting, uh, unauthorized access to a protected computer, various other cyber crimes. And at the end of the day, after they were allowed to poke in to every corner of my life, uh, they found no evidence whatsoever of any of those crimes. So then they fabricated the crime of lying to Congress, even though the matters that they ended up accusing me of lying about were immaterial. They were already public matters. I was there was, not, there was no underlying crime for me to lie about. Therefore, I had no motive to lie. Under the law, violating the False Statements Act, requires both intent and, and motive, purpose. I had neither. But then again, I didn't get a fair trial. The judge uh, systematically ruled out every powerful uh, line of defense. For example, I could not, even though I had evidence, I could not question the conduct of the prosecutors, the FBI, the Department of Justice, uh, members of Congress who were actively involved in setting this trap. Uh, I could not argue argue selective prosecution, even though Hillary Clinton herself, uh, Comey, Clapper, Brennan, so many others had lied to Congress about material things. I was not allowed to argue that. The whole thing is a Kafka-esque experience, I must tell you. Through it all, I have maintained my faith, and I have steadfastly refused the deal that they offered me on July 24th, 2019. They simply said to my lawyers, if your client will get religion, if he will wise up and characterize the content of these 30 phone calls between candidate Trump and himself that took place in 2016, the way we want him to remember them, we might be willing to uh, recommend no jail time under his current charges. But if he does not decide to cooperate and tell the truth, in other words, lie, (laughs) uh, we don't rule out laying on more superseding charges so that he essentially spends the rest of his life in prison. Uh, And I I refused, Uh, even though my lawyer said, maybe you should think about this for a moment. I didn't think about it for a nanosecond. I was not going to uh, lie uh, to get myself off the hook, just wasn't going to do it. So uh, it has been a horrific experience. Through it all, I have maintained I am innocent. This was a frame job. It was a setup. Uh, There are so many things that I cannot tell you because they're still under court seal that happened in my case that still uh, boggle my mind. But uh, enough about that. Let's talk about something that's actually more important, and that is the question of health, freedom.
0: Well, I just uh, to say, Roger, that, that first of all, we, we will, when it, it's time will come, it will make a great movie. And your comments about the various news organizations and their lives, it reminds me of a science reporter who reported on my case. There were 29 pages of, of accusations from Brian Deere, the journalist working for Rupert Murdoch. And she said to a colleague of mine, well, Wakefield must be guilty because there are so many charges against him. And he yeah. said... So the so the sheer number of charges is now a, a measure of, of innocence or guilt, and it was <laughs> the same kind of nonsense. And of course, when it came to the uh, the English High Court, they were all thrown out. And, and so I, I know exactly what you you mean, and and um, congratulations and well done for being steadfast and refusing to capitulate and to lie just for the sake of of um, expediency. So. Uh, Yes, health freedom, there could not be a more important topic, and we're so glad to have you on our side. Well,
2: uh, I think it was almost uh, last March, I guess, that I spoke to a a health freedom conference here in Miami, and I predicted that health freedom was actually going to be one of the major issues of the 2020 campaign.
1: It's pretty pretty prophetic, Roger, actually.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it was amazingly prophetic specifically was giving the keynote address uh, at a conference being run by a woman uh, who should be you know, celebrated for the things that she has pioneered, and instead, in the area of stem cell research, is being vilified and persecuted by the FDA, taking away her rights to help people use their own stem cells to heal themselves. I don't know what could be more natural than that. It is an extraordinary story of courage and of fortitude because she, like me, has stood up to the system and has refused to buckle under pressure. She could go out and make a lot of money doing stem cell therapy the way the government allows it to be done, but it's not healing enough for her. She has suggested more Effective therapies. I'm talking about Dr. Kristen Camella, who, to me, is a genuine American hero.
1: Hundred percent. She re- she really is.
0: It's like saying that you cannot receive a blood transfusion if your hemoglobin is so dangerously low that you're going into heart failure, and you can't have a blood transfusion of your own blood because uh, the FDA say that you can't. I mean, it's absolutely bizarre that you cannot receive. Your own tissues back into your body. Um, anyway, on the go, Roger. <laughs> there is there is so much bizarre in this entire narrative. Um,
2: well, we, we see this this entire trend towards what they call lawfare, where uh, where they use the courts uh, and their control of mass media uh, to vilify, uh, to destroy anyone who disagrees with Big Pharma, anyone who disagrees with the two-party duopoly, the establishment, the deep state, the military industrial complex, call them whatever you want. They're the permanent government in place. And what have they given us? Endless war, uh, where our inherent national interests are not clear. Total erosion of our civil liberties, where they are meta-tagging our phone calls, our text messages, our emails international one-size-fits-all trade deals that have literally, until Donald Trump came along, sucked the jobs out of America, immigration policies that are unfair to those who are waiting in line and seeking to come here for a better life legally, but reward those who come here illegally at the same time making our streets and neighborhoods unsafe, fiscal policies that drive up our debt, devalue our dollar, And create debt as far as the eye can see for our great, 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 great grandchildren to deal with if we are still a nation by then. Taxation rates, which are confiscatory, which discourage entrepreneurship and small business. The track record of the people who've been running this country, both Republican and Democrat, for the last roughly 30 years is nothing to be proud of. They have run the country into the ground. I am, uh, as you know, a strong supporter of President Trump, uh, only because I have known him for 40 years, and he's the only candidate for president in my lifetime who got to this job without owing anybody, no special interest, not Wall Street, not the banks, not big pharma, not the insurance industry, not the defense industry. He literally is completely independent. He did this all on his own largely with his own money, uh, and even the money that he did raise came overwhelmingly from small donors, not the toast of Wall Street, not the, the toast of the, of the uh, hedge fund managers. I thought he was a man of exceptional courage. I have been disappointed because I thought the idea of appointing Robert Kennedy Jr. to head a commission on the safety of vaccinations and the appointment of a balanced committee of those who are opponents and those who are proponents is a superb idea. It needs to happen. One of the things that has motivated me to look into this issue more and to become more active in it is the activism of Robert Kennedy. I admire him enormously for his courage, for his fortitude, for his willing to say unpopular things for which he's been trashed. and vilify, but to stick to his guns and to continue to make an extraordinarily articulate case against mandatory vaccination and against the safety of vaccinations based on his own experience. I had the privilege of meeting his father once. We were political opposites, but I admired his father's courage and his fight, and his son has much of that. So that is one of the things that has attracted me to this movement. It is really extraordinary to watch what's going on today, where the coronavirus, regardless of where it came from and how it came to us, because there's debate about that, although Mm -hmm. I tend to believe that it it, it was uh, indeed out of the Chinese lab, whether it was advertent or inadvertent, I don't want to hazard a guess. I don't trust the Chinese. I think that they they, uh, run an oppressive, evil government. They... They slaughter their own citizens to harvest their organs. This truly is the evil empire. Mm. But nonetheless, uh, I was roundly criticized when I criticized people like Bill Gates, who I think are exploiting the crisis to propagate for mandatory vaccination. And even more troubling to me as a libertarian, the idea of tracking every citizen. I don't care whether it is a, a bracelet or an armband or a microchip it's a bad idea. It's an unconstitutional idea. It's an un-American idea. And I see this agenda being furthered on the back of a true crisis. My son is a deputy sheriff in Florida. Some of his colleagues have died from this disease. Guys I met, young guys in the prime of their life in excellent health. This is very real. It is not a fabrication or a hoax. Whether the cases and the numbers. Or anywhere near the projections is a completely different story, and I'm watching it evolve with everyone else. It is extraordinary the way Big Pharma lets no crisis go to waste. That they use this crisis to encroach more and more on our personal health freedom. That's really why I'm here today.
0: That's wonderful. I um I, I agree with you entirely that the. Whatever the origins of of uh, what we call Wu flu is the, the narrative that the agenda that is being pushed so hard, so hard by the industry and by others, by Fauci, who may himself have been part of the process in the first place, funding the lab that created this virus or likely created this virus, and Gates, who insists that we will not go get back to normalcy, as he describes it, until. All 7 billion people in the world have received a vaccine, which he's likely to have some kind of commercial interest in. But it's totally inappropriate. And what we saw in Europe, Roger, was when they had measles outbreaks, not only was measles going to kill many, many children, apparently, but they used it as an opportunity not only to mandate measles vaccine, but up to 14 additional vaccines, which had nothing to do with measles. So it was using this as a sort of stalking horse, if you like, to bring other vaccines into the mandatory vaccination policy, we will see exactly the same thing here. Their intention is, their stated intention is quite clear, it's unambiguous that what they want is mandatory vaccination from pregnancy to grave for every citizen of the world, and that is what they're headed towards, and that is absolutely unacceptable. And the one person who's actually stood up and said we have to be extremely careful lest we do more harm than good, is Donald Trump.
2: Yeah, I think he has a very difficult job. Uh, look, I have known Donald Trump literally for 40 years. Uh, he was at the wedding uh, of my wife and I, Needy, in Washington, D.C. 28 years ago. He danced with my mother, he danced with my wife. Uh, I went to the wake and funeral for both of his parents. Uh, I knew them well, they were great people. I went to two of his weddings. We have been friends a very long time. People do not understand him, but I think I have a very good understanding of him. First of all, he is a big picture guy. He, he like Ronald Reagan, is not interested in the little details. Those are to be worked out by minions. He has broad, strong principles that he believes in and will never violate. He wants a strong American military as a deterrent. He does not believe that we should be going around the world looking for endless foreign wars where we just have no interest, where we piss away billions of dollars and American lives uh, for no reason other than to keep the industrial complex, the military industrial complex, profitable and to try to, quote unquote, impose democracy on countries that uh, that that's not, first of all, not our real agenda. And secondarily, where it probably won't work. Uh, He believes in respect for our law enforcement officers. He realizes that they are the first line of defense in an emergency. It's good to have a president who backs the police. My son's a policeman. If you had any idea what he goes through in the streets, in the urban areas of this county, it would blow your mind. Trump hates being taken advantage of in business. He must emerge with the best deal. It's what made him billions of dollars, and now nothing angers him more than being taken advantage of as a country. That's why when he said as a candidate he would end the Iranian nuclear deal, because we were being ripped off, because we were not only paying them billions over the table, we were also paying them billions under the table that was not even in the agreement, shipping pallets of cash to Iranian politicians who were just stealing it. Uh, and there was no doubt that they had neither the, the integrity or the honesty to stick to their side of the deal. He said he would repeal it. Uh, and it is one of the factors in getting him elected. Now, when he got elected, the permanent government, which first they try to beat you, then they try to co-opt you and surround you, Started coming up with reasons why he couldn't cancel the deal. More than half of his advisors told him it was unrealistic and so on. But what did he do? He canceled the deal. Also, true of the Paris Climate Accord. Why should we pay hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars when the greatest polluter on the planet, China, pays nothing? Again, Trump hates to see America ripped off. He understood that the TPP, And the NAFTA trade deals, I guess NAFTA first, then TPP later, would do nothing other than expropriate our jobs abroad. He said that he would scuttle them and negotiate individual trade deals with every country based on the uniqueness of that country to ensure that all of our trade agreements were reciprocally beneficial, that they were good for the Dutch and good for us, good for the Brits and good for us instead of this one-size-fits-all approach that had been uh, uh, that had been pursued by the Bushes and the Clintons, which literally had destroyed uh, our economy. People do not understand how tough Donald Trump is. I mean, I worked for Richard Nixon. Uh, I worked for Senator Bob Dole. These guys are both very tough guys. They're both also great American patriots. But Donald Trump uh, is the only person I know who could take the The daily vituperation of the mainstream media, who could take this enormous tsunami of abuse that he and his family get every single day. For example, the claim that he was recommending a specific drug that showed extraordinary promise for the treatment of coronavirus because he owned stock in the company and he stood to profit, when in fact we learned he was profiting at the tune of 29 bucks. But he owned so little little of the stock and it was evidently in a fund. It's not even clear that he knew he owned it, but he wasn't going to make any significant money. But that did not stop it from ending up on page one of The New York Times as some kind of scandal. And what we have learned now is that the two party duopoly uh, had 2016 gamed Hillary Clinton versus Jeb Bush. Heads I win, tails you lose. Identical policies. Nothing changes. Remember when Barack Obama told us he was going to close down Guantanamo? Still open. Remember when Barack Obama told us he was going to withdraw our troops from Afghanistan, from Iraq, from Syria? They're still there. That's right. uh, it's, it's a one giant kabuki dance. It's one giant fraud where Mitt Romney and Barack Obama struggle to sound different at election time, but at the end of the day, their policies are exactly the same. Nothing really changes. And then along comes Donald Trump, who they viewed as an improbable candidate, almost a cartoonish figure, because he doesn't fit their definition of what a politician should be. Trump is not a politician. He's a political figure. And there's, a, there's an enormous difference. And although he has always been interested in running for president, it was not for aggrandizement that he was running. It was not because he needed a nicer house or a bigger plane or more name ID. He had all those things. He had one of the most comfortable lives you can imagine. This is a guy who loves to play golf. He now rarely gets to do it. It is costing him literally billions of dollars to be president. I think $3 billion has been sheared off his net worth. That doesn't take into consideration the opportunity costs, where he could be out in the international market doing what he loves, real estate. Uh, and instead, he's serving under constant fire for the American people. He is really, really underestimated. And that is why, even now, even if he were not to be reelected, and I think after a very difficult fight with a lot of unknowns, he will be, he already goes down in the history books as one of our greatest presidents. They all said, the experts, the pundits, the, the columnists, the New York Times, you write about economics, that America's best days were behind us, that we could not reasonably expect to revive our economy, that manufacturing jobs would never come back, uh, and we just needed to move towards a global system. And Donald Trump refused to accept that, and using the simple tools of lower taxation and less regulation. And less government control of business he sparked one of the greatest economic revivals in our country i am betting that if he has enough time he can do it twice because the underlying fundamentals of the economy are very strong nothing's really changed other than the virus uh, and once the virus is contained or under control i do think america will come roaring back to economic health in the meantime. I can't go to the gym be- because it's closed. And that really aggravates me.
0: Absolutely. You know, Roger, I, I, just before the election at uh, Kissimmee, I had the opportunity to meet him in a private meeting. And we sat down, this is before he uh, was president, and we, we had an opportunity to talk. And we talked, the three of us, four of us were there talking about autism. And he said, stop, you don't need to tell me about vaccines and autism, I know. I know. Now I, I talk to a lot of American politicians, a lot of English politicians. They're looking at their phone, they're looking at their watch. They can't get out of the meeting quick enough. They do not want to discuss the issue of vaccines and autism. And this was a, one of the first time one of the first times I'd ever come across a politician other than people like Dave Weldon down here in Florida, who actually was prepared not only to discuss it, but to discuss it for nearly an hour and to say, I know vaccines cause autism. I've seen it with my own two eyes and I'm going to do something about it. Just watch what I do. And I believe that. And I think it was a a second term issue. I don't think he wanted to take on uh, so big an issue as uh, vaccination in the first term with everything else that was going on, with everything that that was being thrown at him. I do believe that if he gets a second term, then he will take on this issue because he he has nothing to lose. The pharmaceutical companies can't threaten him. And I think that we will see a change because as you saw from Vax, the CDC's own numbers show that by 2032, one in two children in this country will have autism. And that is a situation in which you either have autism or you're someone who looks after a child with autism, and that's not an economy that can be sustained under any circumstances.
2: I recall not that long ago when Congressman Adam Schiff sponsored a sense of the House resolution, which essentially said, no American has ever been damaged through vaccinations. That would be like passing a resolution that says the Holocaust just never happened. It is that egregious, it is that outrageous. Even though we have a national register and we know that the federal government has paid out to injured individuals, hundreds of millions of dollars because of damage due to vaccination, we have a, a congressman so desperate for big pharma contributions that he is prepared to say black is white and white is black. What you see with your very eyes does not exist. He is the worst example uh, of a con man, uh, of, a, of a fraud, of a uh, of a of a hustler, uh, of a of a liar that I have seen in a. 40 year career in American politics. And beyond that, what's wrong with his eyes? Why, why do all the crazy ones look at you like that? Like he and AOC. I, I, so I guess we have to, we'd have to consult a doctor for that. Uh, Dr. Wakefield, I, I uh, was very, very impressed on your movie, Vax, and I have highly recommended it now to a number of people who, who already have their suspicions, their concerns, but they're looking for something else. Uh, I would have to admit that two people opened my eyes to this issue, not only just following Robert Kennedy, as I said earlier, but uh, I've written five books. Uh, Three of them have been bestsellers. One of them is a New York Times bestseller. Two of them are Amazon bestsellers. My publisher, Tony Lyons uh, of Skyhorse Books, really opened my eyes to this issue by giving me a book uh, that laid out um, what has leaked out of CDC by a whistleblower that changed the whole way I I have looked at this issue. It is, uh, I really think that this is the greatest fight of our lifetime. Uh, I also believe that there are, in terms of the next election, which is crucial to having any success in the health freedom movement. If we return to an establishment president, an establishment administration, that is beholden to Big Pharma, that Big Pharma has financed uh, a, and, uh, and groomed, uh, it is over for our movement and mandatory vaccinations will be the law. You won't be able to go out in public without them. You won't be able to go to school without them. You will not be able to assemble uh, as the constitution gives you the right to do without them. Uh, and that would be a horrific day. There's a number of questions uh, as a political scientist that I look at in terms of the next election. First of all, we don't know what the extent of the geographic dislocation for the election will be, meaning where are there states that may still be on some kind of lockdown where it would affect the pattern of balloting. For those who say, oh, let's have a national mail-in ballot, let's be clear about a couple of things. One, 12 states have constitutional prohibitions to mail-in ballots. You must. Vote in person in 12 states. That's constitutional state law. 35 states require the presentation of some kind of ID in order to vote. So there you have a 37 states that would have some prohibition or some logistical difficulty with the notion of a mail-in ballot. Secondarily, uh, the the propensity for fraud in a mail-in ballot election would be astronomical. There is no way to check the idea of anyone in the states where it is required. My opinion, it should be required in every state. Secondarily, there's no way to check the citizenship of those who are voting. There is uh, the the question of ballot harvesting. That's when, for example, one individual goes into a nursing home or an old folks home and collects ballots and in many cases helps uh, the residents fill the ballots out and then delivers them as a group. This became such a cottage industry in Florida that it is now illegal. The only person who can touch an absentee ballot is the voter, him or herself. It cannot be transported elsewhere. It can't even be touched by a third party. That's a a very good reform, in my opinion. Uh, And then, then there's the question of internet censorship. Now, this overlaps with the anti-vaccination movement, because 2016 was the first year that the mainstream media, ABC, NBC, CBS, the two cable networks, lost their complete monopoly on political discourse in this country. They lost their stranglehold on the storyline. They lost their ability to destroy a candidate for office or to make a candidate for national office. The rise of a robust, vibrant alternative media based in the Internet provided a platform for Donald Trump and his supporters to do what Trump does best, counterpunch. And therefore, the tactics used on Barry Goldwater in 1964 when we had a more limited media, you remember those, doctor, perhaps, he was a warmonger, he was a neo-Nazi, he was a lunatic. He would start a nuclear war. Well, he was a, a veteran, and he was a gentleman, and he was a very decent man. But he was destroyed because there was no place to go to tell his story. Uh, the the censorship now on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, wholesale censorship, where you are uh, you are kicked out or you are shadow banned. There's a number of techniques they use to limit your ability to speak to others because your ideas are deemed by them to be politically incorrect, by them. I was a pioneer. I was banned from Twitter for life three years ago. I had 550,000 followers at that time. They still, to this date, have never told me what it was I did that merited being banned for life, but I believe I hurt the feelings of Jake Tapper of CNN. What a shame. In any event, Now, when I go back and look at Twitter, it's a cesspool of hatred, of bigotry, of vituperation, of lies. It used to be lively. It used to be interesting. It used to be real discourse. Today, it's just insult after insult. One of the reasons that I was gagged in my trial uh, and gagged after being convicted, which is extraordinarily rare, uh, is because the judge said she wished to protect the witnesses and the jurors. I don't think anybody has taken into consideration the extraordinary number of death threats that I have received, but more precisely, the threats against my wife, the threats uh, against my children, the threats against my grandchildren. We're not talking about two or three letters or emails. We're talking about hundreds of them. My eldest granddaughter gave birth to her first son about a month ago in Akron, Ohio. So now I am a great-grandfather. The incoming email when it was learned that she was my granddaughter, wishing that her baby would be stillborn, accusing her baby of being the the product of incest with her grandfather, uh, threatening to kill her baby if we knew what hospital you're in. This is the mindset of the left. This is the mindset uh, of the tolerant left in America. I can't even begin to tell you how many times I have been verbally but in other cases physically assaulted just trying to go to the grocery store you're a russian spy you're you're a traitor you're a piece of garbage really my family was mowed down by russian tanks in budapest in 1956. i have no love for the russians i happen to think the chinese are a greater danger to us at this moment but i'm no lover of the russians either so to accuse me of treason given that background Uh, is really insulting and outrageous. But I I fear for our society. I fear for my own family. They have stuck with me. It would have been, as you pointed out, much, much easier to roll over on Donald Trump and make a comfy deal for myself. And I refused to do that. And I knew the consequences. I knew I would lose my home, my savings, my car, my insurance, my medical treatment, uh, uh, my ability to make a living. I knew that would happen. Uh, I knew I would lose my ability to to travel. Uh, i I was a little surprised that I would lose my ability to speak. Um, i I challenged that on appeal. I appealed the gag order to the to the d c circuit, uh, and three judges appointed by Barack Obama uh, rejected my appeal on technical grounds. They never dealt with the constitutional issue as I wished. They said I had to. Procedurally, ask the judge who placed the gag order on me to remove it before I could take it to appeal. They sat on it for four months as it was. So uh, you can see the efficacy of that would never have worked. We see the same thing now in the anti vaccination movement. We are being decapitated uh, on social media in an effort to shut us down and silence us. That's why I think, Dr. Wakefield, your courage, the courage you have, Lori the courage of so many of my other friends that I have made in the movement really is inspiring. We are pioneering and pushing unpopular but true ideas, and we will never stop.
0: Roger, you two are uh, an inspiration. You preempted my final question, which was the personal price that you've had to pay, your families had to pay. Ed, Roger, Ed, in final reflections, any, any regrets? uh at all and specifically
2: no to be honest with you if if i had actually broken the law if i had done something wrong uh you know i could understand this treatment i did literally nothing wrong uh, not only do they storm my house like the gestapo 29 heavily armed fbi agents arrive in 17 armored vehicles helicopter overhead, these snarling dogs that they have on and a canine unit. They take this giant battering ram up to my front door. Uh, at that time, I lived on a canal. Two FBI boats pull up to the canal. There are frogmen who are armed. For what? Uh, for the prosecution of a white-collar process crime? I have no criminal record. They said I was a flight risk, that I had to be taken down this way because I was a flight risk. They knew I had no valid passport. They knew I did not own a gun. And thanks to CNN, I have the most recognizable mug on the planet. Yeah, I live down a canal, but I can't swim. Where was I going to go? And this was not a surprise. They had been leaking that I was under investigation to the media for over a year. Every week you would wake up to a headline or a story. Mueller zeroes in on Stone. Muller targeting stone, Mueller tightens the noose on stone, treason, Russian treason. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Russian, it was, it was, it was, ridiculous. was nauseating. Uh, but this kind of show of force, where they rouse me out of my house at 6 o'clock in the morning, when they scare the daylights out of my wife, who is hearing impaired and had slept through my arrest, and it wakes up looking down the barrel of a gun doesn't know whether this is a home invasion or what's going on, is frog marched out in the front yard to stand 10 feet away from me where I'm standing in my bare feet. She's in her nightclothes and her bare feet for the humiliation of all the neighbors. And then to let CNN film the whole thing, which is highly illegal because they were delivering a search warrant for the house and the advance leak of a search warrant is a, is a felony. To this day, the FBI will not release Your emails between CNN and the FBI in the days and weeks before my trial, and CNN, who arrived exactly 14 minutes before the FBI, they insist they were there on a journalistic hunch. Yes, that's the short. That's the shortest stakeout in American criminal history. So, Uh these kind of tactics that you would expect in Nazi Germany or the kind of tactics you would expect in Soviet Russia, but not here in America. My lawyers had spoken to the special counsel lawyers the very day before. All they had to do was say, oh, we're, we're going to bring charges against your client, uh, and uh, uh, you know we sh- you should uh, bring him in, and I would have voluntarily surrendered. Instead, we put on the show to intimidate me, to intimidate others that they're investigating, uh, and to vilify me for the American people. Just because I sometimes dress like a gangster doesn't mean I am a gangster. I have no previous previous criminal record. This was a stupendous waste of the taxpayers' money.
1: And, and trying spe- and trying Roger for guilt of association to discredit Donald Trump. Yes, just yes, by, uh, yes, yes.
2: But clearly recognize recognize once they put the house number of my home on national television, I had people camping out in my front yard for weeks. Protesting, or Christians coming to find me and bring me a cake, which which I appreciated, but which is an endless stream of people ringing the doorbell at three o'clock in the morning, strange cars parking outside the house, uh, people harassing my wife when she's trying to walk the dogs. Uh, you really wonder how these things can happen in in America. In any event, it has been a great pleasure to be with you. I've got to save some voice because I am going to be on with Sean Hannity tonight. Uh, but I am firmly in your camp. You can count on me. I'm going to champion this movement going forward. As I've said earlier, I'm not a scientist. I don't know if it is the vaccination or what's in the vaccination. I think it's rather the latter, but I think it is the greed of Big Pharma that is driving this. And that is, uh, that is a national disgrace. Well, that, that that's,
1: that's that's okay, Roger, because Andy and I have some really great friends we want to introduce you to. So welcome to the movement, and thank you so much for your time. We're so very right. grateful.
0: Yeah, absolutely, Roger. Thank you very much. Very, very best of luck. We look forward to seeing you on the other side, whenever that might be. And and in the meantime, I think we have some um, some details that we can share with people to help you through this this um, the, the current crisis. So, Roger, thank you very much indeed. We will get that information out to all our listeners we, we, we will
1: andy and i just want to add stonedefensefund.com fund.com is where you can contribute uh i can't even imagine the enormity of the legal bills surrounding you know this kind of defense against lawfare i i know that it's it's been backbreaking rogers so uh those of of, of us who can help out uh can make a donation there. And is there any place that we can get a really cool t-shirt like the one you were sporting today?
2: Yeah, yes, you can first of all you can also to sign a petition. Let's say you cannot afford to contribute, but mm-hmm. you just want to sign a petition to the president, you can go to freerogerstone.com where almost a half million people have already signed a petition. If you want to get a t-shirt like this one, or I think there are several others, including the epic Roger Stone Did Nothing Wrong t-shirt that I was arrested in. You can go to, um, let's see, let me get the correct email for you. I just had it up.
1: While you're checking, you know, I have to say that Stone's Rules is one of my favorite books of all time. It is so well written. It's short, very concise, tightly packed, very clever and interesting chapters. It's a great read. It's a great lesson on... How to dress, how to cook, and really sort of a gentleman's guide with a twist of some interesting h- historical, uh, political anecdotes. Um, can we get that on Amazon? Where can we get Stone's Rules? Uh,
2: yes, you can get um, the uh, you can get the T-shirts at at fightback.store. Uh, And as for my book, Stone's Rules, and all my books, you can go to the Stone Cold Truth my website where I have been prohibited uh, from posting anything until two weeks ago. And now I am back to posting. I just put up a a long piece entitled the truth about Roger Stone, which will tell you the epic story uh, of my trial uh, and my ordeal, curl your hair, Uh, Mm -hmm. but you can go to the store uh, there uh, or the shop at uh, stonecoldtruth.com and all of my books uh, are available and you get them signed if you buy them there as opposed to, Amazon.
1: That's great. Stone's rules, a must have. And or, do you have any of your rocks up there as well? I love that Thanks. you have some rocks that you signed ro- signed Roger. So it's a Roger Stone. I, per- right. I, I portray that proudly in my home on my mantle. Do you have yeah. any of those in the store also?
2: They're also in the store. So this began as a joke. I took a stone out of my neighbor's driveway, and I wrote my name with a flare pen, making it a Roger Stone, a paperweight. (laughs) Uh, And I started selling them online because I was prohibited from making a living by this uh, horrific trial. And then uh, they weren't selling very well. And then Rolling Stone, New York Magazine, and the New York Observer mocked me for selling them just before Christmas. I sold over 5,000 stones at 12 bucks a (laughs) piece. (laughs) And uh, there's now a deluxe version, which is a black stone with a silver signature. But it's important to understand that the original stone, this is an exact replica of the very stone that little David took to take down Goliath. And uh, we have reproduced it. It is meant as a paperweight and for no other purpose, but those are also available personally signed at the stonecoldtruth.com store.
1: Stonecoldtruth.com. I love that. We love the David Goliath story uh, because of course, David used one stone to take down Goliath, but then it was his own sword that actually did him in. David took Goliath's sword and dragged it across his neck. It's a wonderful analogy and parable for, for what we fight every day in the health freedom fight. Thank you again, Roger. We're so very grateful. We wish you best of luck. I'm still hoping here for an 11th hour Hail Mary. So regardless of where you wake up on Friday morning, I know that the, that, that your next chapter is about to begin and it's going to be a, a terrific one. So we are, we are in your corner and we thank you again so much. You've been listening to the Andy Wakefield weekly podcast, a place where stories are being told that have never been heard before. This is the seventh chakra films production in collaboration with brick city creative. Please follow and like us while you still can on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at 1986 the act and soon on sphere